Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. For this morning, uh, we are talking about baptism and we're talking about people's stories. And I don't know about you, but I wonder what you used to believe when you were a kid that you don't believe now. I want to think about that for a moment. I don't know whether, thanks, Sean. I don't know whether any of you think, you know, whether it's the, the, the big, the, I have to be careful when I do the whole red man with the white beard and all that, because I destroyed some five-year-old's life many years ago at a, at a boys' brigade event where I was such a young communicator. I wanted to preach about, you know, who's real and who's not real and completely destroyed some young children's Christmas. So we won't go there. But maybe there were some stories. Maybe there were some things you used to believe when you were a kid that you don't believe now, right? Maybe the bogeyman, leprechauns, the tooth fairy, Villa winning the Premier League. You know, some of those things that I used to believe as a kid, but now I don't believe now. But let me read these to you, okay? I love these. These are from kids. I believe that if I played with my belly button, I would pop open. I thought that is where we were sewn together. And then this one, I believe that all teachers lived at school. I thought they slept in classrooms and never, ever went to the bathroom. Some of you are teachers say, that is true. That is absolutely true. And this is my favourite. I believe that instead of an Easter bunny, there was an Easter pig. I went to school and told my class, I will never forgive my dad for telling me that. That is such a dad thing to do, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? But you see, when you grow up, you wise up, don't you? When you grow up, you wise up. You're, you're older now, you're more experienced, maybe you're a little more cynical. You don't believe those stories that you used to believe when you were a kid. When you grow up, you wise up. Or do you? Or do you just believe a whole new set of stories equally that are not true? Maybe some of you here today or you're watching online or in a location, maybe you believe the story that people don't change. Maybe you believe the story that I can't change or that you can't change. Maybe you believe the story that your story will never change. You see, if you believe that, it'll probably be true. That if you believe you can't change, you're probably going to be right. But if you believe you can, we want to say you're probably right as well. And you're going to hear from some people this morning who maybe at one stage in their life, they didn't believe they could change other. They didn't believe in some of those stories that they thought, well, maybe this story of, of God and of Jesus is like one of those stories I believed when I was a kid. But now I've grown up, I'm, I'm wise. You know, when you grow up, you're wise up. But actually, they've experienced that this person that maybe they heard about before is actually not a story just for children, but actually true. And here's the thing, okay, about author. The word author, the original word author, it's from a French word that means create. And we get that word in the word authority. And whenever you hand the authorship of your story to someone, that becomes your authority. So there'll be some of us here and your story, the script of your story is this, my life will always be like this and it will never change. I wanna encourage you to hand the pen to a different author because he can rewrite your story 
And you're going to hear from some people. Now, can I say, one of them said to me this morning, when I got up on stage to try this, I thought, this is a bigger room than I thought. So they're going to be a little bit nervous, okay? I have to look at you every week and I get nervous, all right? So, so they're going to be a little bit nervous. So what I want you to do as Adam brings them to the stage is to go crazy and give them a massive welcome as you come and hear their stories. Let's, let's go crazy and yes. welcome the guys to the stage. Put your hands together. Keep going for Jacob, for Phil for Steve, for Lily, and for Molly. Come on, guys, you come up here, please. Straight up these stairs here. There we go. So, this is my friend Molly, and uh, Molly's going to tell you a bit of her story. Yes, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm Molly. Um, some of you may already know me because I've been going to this church since I was 12 years old. Um, previous to that, I was living overseas. Um, my dad was a missionary. He worked for you for Christ. And so um, those who know me know this story really well. I was born in Abu Dhabi. Then I moved to Thailand and then I moved to America. And then I finally ended up here in England, where I am originally from, which was really exciting. I was really, really excited to move here, but um, the move wasn't easy. I got really badly bullied and I really struggled for a really long time. Um, I always believed in God. I had um, a good relationship with him uh, up until I moved here. Then I started to question, not that he existed, but whether he wanted a relationship with me. When I was um, maybe 13, I got invited to Soul Survivor um, by Andy Hancock. And uh, the whole week I kind of struggled because I'd watch people responding to God. And I had a question why I wasn't responding or why God wasn't moving in my life the, the same way. And um, on the last night, I reflected on this and I was processing. And um, right as I was starting to get to the point where I was like, why, why, why isn't God um, seeing my struggles? Andy Hancock came over to me and he said, that's really difficult, your, your situation, it must be really hard. And that struck me because I was like, yeah, it is hard. And he goes, you know, there is a God who sees your struggles and he cares for you. And um, for me in that moment, things changed. I realised that there is a God who sees um, and a God who knows my problems. And uh, from that moment, I wanted to have a relationship with him. Um, so I uh, dedicated my life to God and I decided to go on a gap year um, in a touring band called The Sense with Youth for Christ. So that's what I've been doing this year. I've um, been travelling all around the country, kind of preaching what I believe the good news is. Um, and uh, recently, we went to this place called New Haven, uh, which, is, which is actually quite nice. It's got a really lovely beach, and I'm quite a fan of the beach. And um, uh, the band, we decided to, on the last day to go swimming in the sea, uh, which was really fun. Um, uh, two, two people, Bethany and Noah, decided not to swim because they didn't have a change of clothes, and they didn't want to swim in their clothes, which is fair. Um, and then we all kind of went in other than them, and uh, Dan, Megan, Theo, Katie, and me are the rest of them, I hope I've mentioned everyone, um, we decided to go swimming. But Dan and Megan, kind of the more adventurers, decided they were going to go much further out. Dan is from Germany. He's from specifically somewhere called um, Bamberg, which I pronounce as bumbag, um, which <laughs> I like to tell everybody. So that's why I've snuck that in there. And uh, Megan's from Missouri. So they're kind of our more adventurers. So they swam really far out to sea. But Katie, Theo and I decided we wanted to stay a little bit closer to the shore. Um, 
kind of, I'm quite scared of, this, of the war. I don't like going out of my depth. Um, so Katie and Theo were here and I was here. So I decided I wanted to swim towards them. But as I was swimming towards them, I started to get kind of dragged out to sea, um, which was quite scary. I'm a good swimmer, but um, I don't like going beyond my depth. <laughs> um, and then suddenly out of kind of nowhere, I realized I was really far out in the water. I was out of my depth, which for me was quite scary. I didn't like that. Um, and then I started to realize that I couldn't see properly. My vision had gone. I, uh, the salt and the stinging of the water started to cause me to really struggle to see anything. Um, and I realized very quickly that I was starting to drown. I couldn't keep my head above water. Um, the waves were coming over and I was swallowing the water and I was choking on it and then I was vomiting it up. So I couldn't breathe and I couldn't keep my head above the waves. Um, I could hear Theo and Katie from a very, very far distance shouting at me. They were like, turn the other way, you're fine, you're fine. But um, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do because I was struggling to just keep my head above water. Uh, and I got to a point where I started to fully drown. I couldn't, couldn't stay above anymore. And out of absolutely nowhere, I hear a voice from behind me. It literally came from nowhere. And it literally just said, are you okay? And suddenly I felt much safer because I knew that voice. It was a familiar voice. It was one I love very much. It was Dan from the band. Uh, he had heard my cries and he had like raced over to me. And realizing very quickly I was drowning, he grabbed my hand and instantly I knew I was safe and I was going to be okay. Um, he dragged me back to shore and uh, at shore, Katie was waiting for me and she checked on me. She made sure I was okay. And from a distance, Theo had seen everything that had gone and he came running to me with a towel kind of to clean my eyes so that I could see. And he took me to Bethany and she was waiting for me on, on the shore. She had seen what was going on. And um, she sat me next to her and wrapped the towel around me. And she said, you're safe. You're okay. You're going to be okay. I've got you. And uh, one by one, the rest of the band, they came and they huddled around me. And uh, I kind of reflected on this because... For me, that's why I choose to follow God because when I'm in the depth of the water, when I can't find the, the bottom of the ground, I'm just struggling to keep my head above water. There's a voice that I can hear that says, you're okay, I've got you, you're gonna be okay. Um, and there's a hand that's accessible for me to hold. So even when I'm not out of the water, there's someone there. And uh, if I start to drown, there's somebody that can pull me very quickly back to shore. So uh, kind of that's why I wanna build my life on God. He's a firm foundation. That's kind of what I realized over the course of this year, over the course of my life and so I know that getting baptized is the right thing to do. That's good. Jacob, do you want to come? Yeah, this is Jacob. He's got a bit of a story he wants to tell as well. Good morning to each and every one of you. My life story is um it's <laughs> sorry I'm a little bit nervous. Um, thank you, thank you. Well, um, my story is not too different to each and every one of yours. Probably is the same, to be honest. But um, when I was young, I was a different person, very stubborn, and never had it. And I didn't have any any reason to always think about the law or. I hardly knew my place on earth. I did not know where I belonged. Always used to get lost in my own world and didn't respect literally anybody, my parents or family or siblings. So with all that, it made me an arrogant person, selfish person. And one day, something just happened. My parents used to always tell me, you have to change your life or, or else 
it's all you, you, or, or else you're going to go down the wrong road. I never used to understand why they used to say that because I was young, and all I knew was I'm going straight forward, whatever, whatever feel like doing, I'll do it. But life happened, and it did what it did best to me, and it knocked me down. So um, when life knocked me down, excuse me. When life knocked me down, normally people revolt to their old ways and just shut themselves down, but I did not do that. I decided to sit back and rethink everything that I did, not just to myself, but also to my family. Whatever affected me, that also affected them. And, uh, I had to basically recalibrate every single thought I had. I was given time to do it. Yes, the time I was given to do it wasn't in a normal place, but I was given time to do it. So I decided to do it myself. And when I, came, when I decided to pick myself back up, I told myself whatever choice I make first has to go through one person instead of going through my head first. It has to go through one person, so I decided to make every single choice first pass through Jesus. Because ever since I did, when I chose to make that choice, when I chose to, do, to make that choice, I knew very well, once it first passes through him, every other choice I make will be guided by him. And I am glad I made those choices. I'm glad I decided to make that choice in person, by myself. Because ever since then till, ever since then till now, I'm happy to say my life has just been better. And yes, it will be a little bit challenging for the future, but it will always get better. Thank you. This. This is Phil. You might know Phil because he uh, leads a lot of our car parking stuff. So if you ever come to our church, he's one of the first people that you will meet. And this is Phil's story. And would you just put your hands together and encourage him, please? Come on. Come on. Morning. Hello, I'm Phil. I like my wife, Rachel. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. God was just on my radar He wasn't on my radar at all. Apart from my aunt and uncle, who were Christians, I never really thought about faith or God. I've always been quite an anxious person, and I would get stressed really easy over things. I was also quite an angry person, and I'd become quite cynical, especially after my mom died. I couldn't understand why bad things happened to good people, and losing my mom was devastating to me but I know she's in a better place. Around the time we lost her, Rach had become a Christian for just a few months, and the same year we had told our son, we were told our son Samuel, morning Sam if you're watching, potentially had autism and other difficulties. I felt so angry, I couldn't cope with all the changes 
that were happening around me. If there was a God, he wasn't interested in me. Jesus was someone I never even thought about. And then suddenly Wright seemed to be talking about him all of the time. <laughs> As time went by, Wright would invite me to various events at the church, especially the Christmas productions. And I'd, I had to admit that I really enjoyed them. I always felt really welcomed when I came and I've since learned that many of them were praying for me, 19 years to be exact. I started thinking about Jesus more and more and then there was a fire here at the church. At the time, Rachel was working in the air salon and it was completely gutted by the fire. The church gave Rachel the business and a friend in the church helped to set her up and a mobile business. On top of that, someone else in the church bought us a bigger car. This completely blew my mind. I had never known that kind of generosity before, but there was something different about these people. Around 2018, a friend of ours got baptised and she invited me to her baptism here at the church. Her story really touched me and I just knew that I needed to come to church. The following weekend was Easter and I decided to go to the Good Friday service with Rachel. On the Easter Sunday, Leon gave the opportunity for people to say a small yes to Jesus and I knew I wanted to say yes. Since then, many other things have happened and on two occasions, I really felt God's presence with me at a very significant moment. By Easter Sunday of this year, I knew I was all in. I now feel so much calmer, less angry, and I have a much more positive outlook on life. I feel as though my life has purpose, and I know, how, I know I have an extended family in the church. I've never felt so more assured about who I am and who has got me in my life. Thank you, Jesus. It's good, isn't it, to hear stories that bring life. And uh, you're going to hear Lily's story now. So we'll just give Lily a little round of applause to encourage her. She's a little bit nervous. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm Lily. I was born and grew up... Sorry, my hands are shaking. <laughs> I can't really see too good. When it's a bit... Yes, please. Sorry. I was born and grew up in London. I never knew my dad... So I grew up with my mum, my half-brother and sister. God was never talked about in my early childhood. I had no awareness of him. As I grew up, my sister had a lot of Catholic friends who invited us to church. That was when I first became aware of a God. Growing up was difficult because my mum had a lot of mental health issues and was an alcoholic. As a young child, I have many memories of my mum being taken into hospital and me being left with my older sister. She and I had a difficult relationship, so it was hard. At 19, I had my daughter, Megan, from the moment that I saw her. From the moment that I saw her, I loved her. Six years later, I can't, I'm sorry. 
six years later, I had my beautiful boy, Joshua. Sadly, not many family members wanted to be involved in their lives. As a family, we have had some very hard challenges to deal with, including homelessness. In 2017, we were moved to Wolverhampton, where things slowly got worse. I felt my life starting to fall apart. I had been suffering with a severe illness that had caused me to be hospitalised on three occasions, the most recent after my children and I moved to Lye. It was the morning after I just came out of hospital. I brought my son Joshua to school. At this time, my children lived with my mum and I was sleeping rough. That I, that, that's when I met my friends Rachel and Lacey. I was in a lot of pain and Rachel stopped to see if I, could, I was okay. This was the beginning of my life starting to change. I soon realised that Rachel, Lacey and another lady they were, they were with called Kaylee were all Christians and they, pro they prayed for me. Over the next few weeks, Rachel and Lacey introduced me to Jesus. My mum's flat was lacking in vital furniture and Philip Bamba and his team provided us with furniture and a bed for my son Joshua. In my whole life, I have never had people genuinely want to help me before and actually stay around. I had begun to realise that God was real, that things that I'd been told in the past about how Jesus sends people to help were true. The week before Easter, Rachel invited me and my mum to church and we jumped at the opportunity to go. There was a gospel choir and we loved it. As soon as I walked into church, I felt as though I'd come home. I f it felt right. As Leon preached, I felt as though every word was directly for me. I have continued to feel that ever since. Leon gave an opportunity for people to accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, and I knew that's what I wanted, so I put up my hand. Since then, my life has had many ups and downs, and I'm still in a very difficult situation right now. But in all of it, God has continued to speak to me through the many messages at church and through the Bible app and other people. He has also provided me with a solicitor overnight when I desperately needed one. I loved doing the Alpha course and I know God is with me. I feel calmer, less anxious, and I have made some amazing new friends. Thank you, Jesus. You know, um, this is real life and this is why it's emotional. It's real life, it's people's stories. And it's powerful. And that's why there's emotion attached to it. That's why you see tears. That's why there's struggle. Because there's struggle in life, right? We all go through struggle. But there's also victory in life. And we're hearing the good side of it as well. So would you put your hands together for our final story? And this is Steve. Hello. Um, I first come to this church in January this year. I really only come to support my wife now. She had come to the church for many, many years, but not really since we'd met. So I thought it was right and it was the right time for me to ensure that I supported her, for her to continue her journey of faith and support. For me, I come from an unreligious family. So the only time that I'd really ever come to church was weddings and funerals. And if I'm honest, at that point, that was far too many times. <laughs> what I hadn't factored in at that point was actually how broken I was at that point as well. Um, 
Having gone through a major family bereavement just around two years ago at that point, I never dealt with it. I hid away from that bereavement. Um, I put it to the side and I made myself busy. We had another one on the horizon as well. Um, and I, I honestly just couldn't see any joy in my life. Even the things that are and always will be the most precious to me had little meaning at that point. The decisions that I made at that time were ones of destruction. And at that time, I hurt the people that I loved the most. When I look back, it was actually like I wanted my life to fail. I wanted to be alone and miserable. And if I'm honest, death at that point just didn't bother me at certain times. I sat here at my first service back in January, somewhere down the back, in the middle, very far down the back. Um, when I look back at that now, that was actually the first time that I realised actually that, that God had given me something. Not what I wanted at that point, but absolutely what I needed at that point as well. Um, I can't really remember a lot of that service. It's, it's a blur to me. Um, what I do remember is Leon using the words, not dead, not done. God, at that time, had used somebody that I'd never met, that had no connection to me, um, to get the most profound message across to me, exactly when I needed it the most. Um, I'm not embarrassed to say, um, I sat at the back and I cried, probably like I've never cried before, but not out of sadness, out of joy, you know, out of complete joy. Um, that feeling of warmth and light is something that I will never be able to ascribe again. You know, I will not be able to describe that to anybody. Um, over the next few weeks, I kept coming back. I kept sitting at the back. I kept crying. <laughs> I'm so sorry for anybody that's actually sitting near me. I really am. So apologies at the back. Um, Easter brought a huge turning point for me. In some ways, it was like the resurrection of me. Um, that I could seek forgiveness for my sins, that I could shed the guilt that I carried around, um, around my mum's passing, and that I could claim myself back, just a better, happier, stronger version. Um, at that point, I really had started to understand Jesus' love for me, and importantly, how I was able to ask for forgiveness. I then signed up for the Alpha course and I've just completed the course. Um, I cannot recommend this strongly enough to people. If you're sitting on the fence, if you want to find out and start your journey, um, just, just go for it. Just sign yourself up for it. Um, what have you got to lose? I'm not getting paid commission. I'm, in, that's it, that's it. I'm not getting paid. That's fine. The course, like the church, really has allowed me to meet some fantastic people. Um, I cannot thank Adam and the Alpha team enough, really, for, for what they've done for me. Um, and I'd like to put a special thank you out to Rachel and Dave. Um, you've helped me more than you will ever know. You really have. 
right now, I feel at peace in myself. I have joy back in my life. Um, and more importantly, I have infinite love. Yeah. Um, these are all the things that I've gained by walking side by side with Jesus. Come on. Thank you all. That is awesome, isn't it? Wow. Thank you guys so much. What amazing. What, in, what incredible stories and all different but all, and all unique but all so, so powerful. And you know, I didn't know that Steve was going to say that thing that he said about um, if you're not dead, you're not done. And that phrase is taken out of a song that we're going to sing in a minute. And there's another phrase in that song that is going around my head all week and it's this, Grace rewrote my story. Grace rewrote my story. It's a line in this song. We're going to sing it in a minute. But you know, what, you, what you've heard and what you've seen today is five people, different backgrounds, different upbringings, different experiences. And Grace is beginning to rewrite each and every one of their stories. And in a moment, you're going to see them baptised. And that doesn't mean, by the way, that when they're baptised, they come up perfect. All right? So if you're married to one or, 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 do you know what I mean, or related or you're a friend, just change your expectation a little bit, all right, on that. But what it does mean is it's a symbol of the fact that actually they've allowed grace to rewrite their story. What they've done is they've said, do you know what? I'm not going to be the author of my story anymore. I want to hand that pen to someone else. Because when you hand the pen and you, to another author, that author becomes your authority. And that begins to shape and create the life that you now live. And there's an incredible story in, in the Gospels where Jesus meets this woman. And um, I'll tell you a little bit of the story in a minute, but let me, let me just go, go to, to, to the verse in the Bible. And she said, so basically he has an interaction with this woman, okay, who's, if you like, not a churchy person, not a follower of God person at all, really, okay. She's lived a very interesting life from a moral point of view and all of that. And she begins to have this, she has this interaction with Jesus. Then she tells the whole community about her story because her story is beginning to change. And it says this, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. And look at those three words that I've underlined, believe, know and heard. In other words, we heard some stuff but now we know someone and because we now know this someone, we've come to believe. And the five people that have shared their stories, they at one point in their life heard some stuff about this person, but they've, become to, they've actually come to a point where they begin to know that person and now they believe. That's incredible. And what I want to do very briefly, okay, is just to tell you three, three reasons why I believe in this person called Jesus, okay? Because for some of you, you may be sat there, whether you're watching online or in a location or in the room, and, and you've sensed all the emotion, but maybe you're not feeling emotion. Maybe you're not an emotionally driven person. Our faith is not just for emotional people. It's emotional because we're human beings. But there's a whole other side to our faith. And for me, the reason that I believe is three things. Number one, what I see. What I see. You ever thought about the human eye? It can see 40 miles away a mountain and then can refocus on a tiny grain of salt on your finger. Isn't that amazing? It's just incredible. There's 100 million light cells in the eye that work to make it work. Now, is that the result of intelligent design or is that just an accident? And when you look at creation, if you look at a mountain or a forest or, a, or an ocean or a lake or a river, is that just accident or is there intelligent design? 
What about nature? What about this little animal here? This little bird, the hummingbird. We can fly forwards, backwards, upside down and back to front. Its wings, I mean, this is mind-blowing to me. Its wings flap 100 times per second. Its heart beats 1,200 times per minute. And some males can mate in three seconds. (laughs) Step away, step away, all right? Anyone that wants to say, just step away. And it's just like, did all this happen by chance or was there some design? And Charles Darwin, who many people think all Christians are really scared of Charles Darwin, he said this, to suppose that the human eye with so many parts all working together could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. What I see when I look at the world convinces me there's a designer one of my favourite stories, I've told it many times, is as a guy I used to know was on a TV debate show. He's a Christian leader. He's, he's actually in heaven now. Um, but, but alongside on that panel was an atheist and they were, they were going at it about the existence of God. And the atheist says, so you as a Christian, you're expecting us to believe, okay, you're expecting us to believe that something created something out of nothing. That's ridiculous. And this guy I used to know, he said, and you're expecting us to believe that nothing created something out of nothing. Which is the more ridiculous position? So I believe because of what I see. But secondly, I also believe because of what I read. And many of you, the Bible that's going to come up here on the screen, you might think, oh, the Bible's a bit of a... Actually, the Bible's not a book. The Bible's a collection of lots of different books written over thousands of years by lots of different authors and writers. There's more historical evidence for the existence of Jesus than there is for Julius Caesar arriving in Britain. And yet nobody disputes that. And when you look at the amount of manuscripts and the amount of documentation and how close they were written to the actual events, it's mind-blowing. Listen to this. There are more than 5,000 Greek manuscripts, 10,000 Latin manuscripts and 9,300 early portions of the New Testament, a total of over 24,000. For Homer's Iliad, which is a piece of Greek writing in the same kind of era, there are 634 There's 24,000 documents of the Bible, just the New Testament. There are just 600 of Homer's Iliad. And some of these were written within 100 years. And some of the other works in history were written hundreds of years afterwards. So I believe because of what I read, and maybe you say, yeah, but I've read about science. And surely science disproves God. Listen, many, many of the world's greatest scientists also had faith in God. Copernicus, Galileo, Sir Isaac Newton. In fact, James Simpson, who paved the way for anaesthetics, was asked the question, what do you think is the most important discovery of your life? He replied, the day I discovered Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? In in fact, Albert Einstein, he wrote this, a legitimate conflict between science and religion cannot exist. Science without religion is lame. Religion without science is blind. They're like two sides of the same coin. This church, we don't dispute science. We love science. You see, science can tell us how, but only faith can tell us why. And so what I see convinces me in the existence of God. What I read convinces me in the existence of God. But ultimately, it's who I know. It's who I know. It's a personal relationship with the one that we call Jesus. And and that takes us back to Jesus, who who was walking through this this town called um, in Samaria. And um, it was noon. And he was thirsty and he sat down by a well. And there was a woman there who was also there. And the only reason she was there at noon is because that's the hottest part of the day. So she knew nobody else would be out. 
She, and the reason that she knew nobody else would be out because it was the hottest part of the day and nobody collected water at noon. She went at noon because she'd lived a really broken life. She'd had so many relationships. Everybody in the town knew it. And she knew she had to keep away from everyone else. So she kept away from everyone else, but ran straight into Jesus who sat down and talked to her. And he didn't talk to her about her actions. He didn't talk to her about her moral choices. He talked to her about her heart's thirst. And listen, at this church, we don't care what your life story is like. We don't care what you've been into. We don't care what's happened to you in that sense. However you define your brokenness, we don't mind. It's not about that. It's what it's about what's going on on the inside. And Jesus didn't talk to her about her choices. He talked to her about her desires. He talked to her about her heart. He talked to her about her thirst. And actually, as he talked to her, do you know what he did? He listened. He listened to her story. And I passionately believe for most people, being listened to and being loved are virtually indistinguishable. And maybe it's true in your life that you've never been really listened to. Nobody's really listened to your story. But Jesus does. And when he listens to your story, he begins to invite you to hand the pen over of your story. Okay, so that when you hand the pen over, he becomes the author and then he becomes the authority. And actually you, like this lady, like these five guys and girls say, actually grace rewrote my story. Let's go back to the Bible verse, the end of the story. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And that's another word. That's a kind of a Christian word for story. You've just heard five testimonies, five stories. He told me everything I've ever done. He didn't only tell me that. He listened to me and he loved me and he accepted me and his grace began to rewrite my story. In a moment, we're going to sing and then we're going to baptise these five people. And I promise you, we won't hold any of them under for more than 20 minutes. Okay, I promise you that, all right? Some of you are looking a bit nervous now, those that are being baptised. But you know, we do that because the, the, the going into the water and the coming out is a symbolic act which, which reminds us that actually there is a moment when we say, Jesus, here's the pen. You be the author of my story. It's not about me. And when we do that, then not only does he begin to rewrite our story, but he begins to put purpose in your life. And what Steve heard in January, if you're not dead, you're not done. That comes from God. You're not dead, you're not done. And I don't know who you are or where you're from or what your background or what your story or what your experience is. Maybe you've heard about God. Maybe you've kind of believed some things, but maybe you believe the wrong things. Maybe the stories that you used to hear or that you used to think were true, you've believed them, but they're not. But maybe today you could take a step, not just a hearing, but to begin to know the one who offers you his hand today to begin to rewrite your story. You know, we believe at this church, following Jesus makes your life better and it makes you better at life. It doesn't mean it will all be easy. Some of these guys and girls have got huge challenges in their life like we have. Doesn't mean we don't wake up some days thinking, is there a God? We all do that. But through it all, we say, hey, do you know what? Following Jesus makes my life better and makes me better at life. And I want to just pray for you for a moment. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning, maybe even right where you are in one of our locations, watching online or here in the room. Maybe you want to say, hey, I want to take a step today. I want to take a step today. Phil took a step. He did a little yes in one of those Easter celebrations. 
You know, I think Steve took a step and, and we got the opportunity to have a drink together out in Italy as we met Steve and Caroline and just heard about the life story. And, and, and Phil, in praying for you, Phil, for 19 years. People have been praying for this man. But I tell you what, we've been praying for him for 19 years. I tell you what, this man's going to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. Going to do amazing. May have took a bit of time. May have took a bit of time. But you know, with God, hey, what's time? He's got all eternity. He's got all eternity. And so maybe today, some of you here in this room, watching online, in our location, maybe you want to take another step as well. Maybe just a step to say, I'm not ready for a big yes. I ain't, certainly ain't going to get in that hot tub over there. But you might say, but I want to take a little yes. I want to take a step towards Him. I want to give you an opportunity. So maybe we could just close our eyes for a moment. And if that's you today, you're not saying, I want to become a Christian. You might be. You're saying, I want to take a step. Maybe it's joining an Alpha course, like Steve encouraged us to do. Maybe it's coming back. Maybe it's just finding out some more. But you say, hey, I want to take another step. I'm fed up of trying to write my own story. I want to begin to hand the pen over to the one who is the author and the authority above all. And if that's you, I want you just to lift your hand and I want to just pray for you. So if there's anyone here or if you're watching online or in our location, you just lift up your hand right where you are and I'll see it and we'll pray for you and then we'll move on. Is there anyone that wants to take a step today? Thank you. Father, we thank you so much. Jesus, you're an incredible God. Lord, what an amazing experience we've had today listening to these stories. Thinking about the grace that rewrites our story. And Lord, now as we celebrate and as we baptise these amazing people, God, their story has not been rewritten. It's been rewrote. It's been rewrote as we speak. It's the rewriting of a story. It's not over yet. And Lord, that's true for every single one of us as well. So may we all take steps on our journey with you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand, please, if you're able, willing and able. And if in one of our locations, please stand with us, guys. We hope you're experiencing the emotion and feeling the presence of God that we are here in the room as well. You're a part of this. You're joining with us. You're not watching. You're joining and connecting. And um, we're going to go and uh, I've got to change. Some of us have got to change. We're going to sing this song. Grace Rewrote My Story is in this song. If you're not dead, you're not done is in this song. There's some other strange words. It says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. That's a reference to Jesus that saw that, okay? And when it talks about the resurrection power, it's not our power, it's all His. So as we sing this incredible song, my testimony, we'll get ready to baptise these folks together. Let's worship. <laughs>